Hello and welcome to the Making Mommy Move show where we help other moms to feel empowered to create a business while raising their kids. I am your host, Alyssa Morton, author of Welcome to the Room Mama. As a mom of two kids under two years old, I built five businesses before I was 26. On this show, we like to bring you a variety of moms in different phases and stages to share their stories, heart-learned lessons, and shed light into how they built their own successful businesses while raising their families. Tune in every week as we spotlight a new empowering mompreneur to help you on your journey of mompreneurship and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform so you never miss an episode. Let's get into it. Podcasts are my favorite way to absorb content as a mompreneur, especially when commuting to a work conference, meeting, or event. I know you love podcasts as much as I do, so that's why I created Fire Fridays. Similar to a book club, every week I email you a podcast episode that I recently listened to that sparked inspiration, a new idea, or a question to consider for my growth and development as a mompreneur. And I want to share it with you. So get on the fire list at listmorton.com slash fire. That's L-Y-S-S-M-O-R-T-O-N dot com slash fire, F-I-R-E. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Making Mommy Move show. I'm your host, Alyssa Morton, and I'm so excited to have you with us again today. As you know, on the Making Mommy Movie Show, we have a mission to help empower other moms to start their business. We know that everybody's in different phases and stages of their life. So we want to be able to showcase different women that are doing the dang thing, building the business while raising their kids and sharing their insight, their story, their wisdom with you. So on today's episode, I have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Deanna Mason. She is a Bible teacher and breast consultant, and she is the creator of the Refreshed Moms podcast, where she helps overcommitted mom leaders create rhythms of rest, weekly Sabbath, and Bible study that deepens their relationship with God, even when your schedule feels too full and your life spread too thin. Through her podcast, Bible Studies, and Sabbath Rest Community, you're able to make room for the rest that you desperately need in order to sustain the work God has called you to do. In our chat today, we dive into how God has led her in her journey and how he can lead you to through her six steps of building a refreshed business. She talks all about different strategies, marketing ideas, messaging, and the most important aspect is doing the things that God's calling you to do in your life. So I'm really excited to bring Deanna Mason to the Making Mommy Moo Show today. Hi, Deanna. Welcome to the Making Mommy Moog Show. I'm so excited to have you on with us today. I am thrilled to finally make this happen and to be here. I feel like it took us quite a effort <laughs> to it finally did. record. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, we had some tech trouble getting on in the beginning, but I'm glad that it's all sorted out. We're able to really <laughs> dive into this conversation. You've got such an incredible background that I'm excited for you to share with everybody. So do you mind doing the honors and letting everybody know a little bit about your background, who you are, and how you got to where you are now. Sure. Okay. So I'm Deanna Mason. I am the creator of Refreshed Moms, which is a, I feel like I have to tell the background to kind of tell you where where we are today, but my focus right now, as in 2023, is to help mom leaders, mom entrepreneurs, ministry leaders, homeschoolers, any way moms are showing up in leadership and multiple leadership roles, create and sustain a refreshing 24-hour Sabbath rest weekly ritual and order to sustain the work that they feel called and passionate to do. And that's 
not where I started. I My background is in marketing, but just a little bit about my family. I have two children. I have a um, son who was 17 and be graduating from high school this year. And I have a daughter who is 15. She's in ninth grade. And we're a homeschool family, so they are here most of the time. They're not here today. They are at classes today. But uh, we homeschool. And then I'm also a Bible teacher with some local Bible schools here in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And last but not least, I have a nonprofit organization called Needle Movers for Social Equity, where we are helping close equity gaps in education with students that may have some type of academic barrier due to barriers in language, barriers in inequities in the way the education is being produced right now, dealing with a lot of gaps that have been produced from the pandemic season. And we create support for those that work with students like tutors to help them close reading gaps. And that's my nonprofit side of my work. All right. So that's kind of a little background of what I'm currently doing right now. My story, Refresh Moms actually started out as a marketing consulting organization or business. Marketing is my background. I've been a marketer since basically graduation. That was my focus when I was in college and some kind of way I've worked in marketing, either with a corporation or through my own efforts with contracting and freelancing for most of my adult life. And Refresh Moms started as a way to present a marketing approach for mom entrepreneurs, moms like me that had little kids playing Legos under their desk while they were trying to work. And now it's trying to have a Zoom call while you're nursing. You know, this is what it looks like now. But back when I was doing it before Zoom meetings were even popular, it was, you know, you're in an office or you're in a room in your house and your kids, I was a homeschool mom and my kids are playing around me as I try to run a nonprofit and, and do marketing consulting at the same time. And Refresh Moms was built to create a marketing approach that allowed moms to build a business in a more refreshing way because a lot of the voices out there and we've just evolved so much. It's so wonderful to see like the work that you put out in the world. There's so many other moms now that have realized we can't necessarily do it the way some of our industry gurus have taught us over the past decade or past 15 years realizing that many of them were teaching practices and approaches to building business that were conducive to someone that didn't have kids in the home or weren't the primary caretaker for their children. So I see that trend multiplying over and over and over again. And it's, it makes me so happy because that's exactly what I started Refresh Moms to do was to give moms an option of a business building that may take them a little slower, may um, not move as fast as some of these other businesses were promoting as far as, you know, building revenue and income, but allowed them to build with a strong foundation, with clarity and messaging, clarity and, clarity and offers, as well as make room for the other priorities in their life, like raising their babies. So that's kind of who Refresh Moms is, what we started as. We've now evolved into just focusing way more on the parts of their life that need to be refreshed in order to sustain that work. That's um, where I get really excited about working with mom. Um, that came because so many women that I consulted would run out of steam in the midst of whatever it was that we were building. So they may be building a funnel, building um, an email marketing strategy or building content strategy and rolling those things out and trying to maintain those things in order to convert in sales. And they would, most of them eventually got to the point where they were like, I just got to take a break. 
I have to step back from this. And I'm like, it's because they may have had very strong marketing strategy, but they necessarily didn't have the rest practices in place to sustain what they were building. So I'm like, I think I need to focus a lot heavier on helping them create sustainable rest approaches to their leadership across the board, not just their work, but many of them were homeschool moms. Many of them were ministry leaders. Many of them um, were leading in other capacities outside of business building and without the habits of rest around what they felt called to in leadership, there was no way they were going to stay the course. So that's kind of where I focus my work on today. I love it. And so <laughs> needed. Like you said, there's so many people talking all about like ways to build your business that, like you said, are not aligned with us moms that have young kids in particular uh -huh. and they're under the desk and climbing all over and you're trying to nurse like, while you're on a coaching call or a Zoom meeting uh -huh. or something. So I'm so glad that you're doing this work. Thank so you. can you tell everybody a little bit about like, I know you have six key elements that are really needed to build a refreshing business that you love. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Let me pull up my notes because these are not really sharp in my memory right now. I just finished a whole year of Bible school and this is like literally one of my very first business activities in January. So I'm like, let me refresh my memory on what I teach about refreshing businesses that you love. I have a faith-based approach to the work that I do. So, so much of what I teach with my women comes from a heart of wanting to be obedient to what we believe God has called us to do in regards to our work. And I have six things that I talk about in creating a refreshing business that you love, but the first one starts with what has God asked you to do? That's really the first place that I um, have my people begin because I remember when I first got started with my work with Refresh Moms, when you're new to business, you're kind of figuring out what and how your people are going to respond to your expertise and your content. And back then, back in 2017, <laughs> I was being coached to follow what the what my people were saying they wanted from me. And so I grew a lot of my business on Instagram back then. This was before Instagram algorithms were where they are today, where images literally were driving the algorithm. I just was, was able to cultivate a thriving coach business coaching practice just using that social platform. And so that's not what my expertise was, but that's what I used to leverage my expertise, like bringing people into what I actually was really good at. But my audience kept wanting to know how I was being successful on Instagram. And so I created an Instagram course to teach people how to be successful on Instagram. And that became what people wanted to come to me for. And I remember when I got to the point when I, I remember being on a call with a friend who knew my work, knew my background, knew the things I was passionate about. And I was working on some addition or something to this Instagram course. And she looked at me. She was like, Deanna, why are you teaching Instagram? And I was like, well, when people are asking me for Instagram stuff, she's like, that is not what you do. That is not <laughs> what excites you. Because I didn't even want to create it. But I was like, oh, now I got to create this whole thing because Instagram has rolled out this new feature. Now I got to teach how to leverage that one and, and use it. And, I'm, and, she, and I was not happy about it. And she was like, why are you teaching it? And I'm like, I, that was like the first wake up call. Like, you don't have to do this just, just because I want it. It's not aligned with you. There's so many other people teaching Instagram strategy that are way more better than you. That is not what you do. And 
it made me sit and get back in touch with what really lights me up. What do I feel called to as far as my work? What would I be proud to leave a legacy around? And I take that back to my prayer time with God. It's like, what you're the one that I believe has given me the gifts here for the entrepreneurship and the things that I'm able to help people with. What do you want me to create? What do you want me to do? I find myself even in that season right now as I enter back into my work after taking a um, sabbatical for, from it to go to school. And I'm like, what does my work look like now? What is it that you actually want me to do instead of the things that I know to do? Can I sit those to the side and get in touch with what are you asking me to do and trust that what you're asking me to do is enough? I don't have to do all the things, tips and tricks and strategies that my marketing brain may know. Just do the thing that he's asking you and trust that that is enough. So that's kind of where I would start you. Just start with God. Start with asking him, this is what I could do. This is what I want to do even, but what would you have me to do? So that's kind of step one. I don't know if you want me to keep going or if you want to stop and talk about that one or <laughs> let me know what you yeah, want to do. I mean, I think that's really, really amazing that you're telling everybody just to start with God and just what does he want you to do? And that's really what you should be doing because mm. that's what he has in mind for your future and for your life. And one way or another, he's going to make sure that you do that thing. So yeah. you might as well just start now. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be better off. Oh, and I think I'm going to have to get up and plug my computer in because I'm getting a low battery. But you're going to be better off and more happier. I'm not saying you're going to be more profitable. I need you to hear this. Because that Those two are not necessarily tied together. But you're going to be much more happier um, doing the work that you feel God has aligned for your life. So I'm going to get up. I'm going to let you talk to your audience. I'm going to get my plug because I don't want this to shut off. I'll be right back. Awesome. Everybody, I'm so glad that Diana is talking all about this because it's really important that you're doing things that are truly aligned with you and what God has in store for you. She's bringing up so many good points and I'm excited to see what else she has to offer as far as the six elements that you need to start your successful business. So, Deanna, are we good? Are yeah. you plugged in? I'm awesome. plugged in. Let's go. Number two. Okay, so once you have that settled, and don't be afraid to iterate from that, you know, just start with what you believe is in your The next thing I talk about is, okay, so now that you understand what it is you're going to do, and I'm 100% confident that it has something to do with serving people, something to do with helping people problem solve, you have to become the expert in solving that problem for your person. So Understand what it is you do and how you're going to serve and learn how to solve the problem for your people. Now, when you're learning to solve a problem for your, your, the people that you feel called to serve or drawn to to serve, it really is less about what you think they need and way more about what they're actually saying they need help with. Okay, so for example, I know I'm an expert. I can't say that I'm an expert in rest. I'm growing in my expertise as a rest consultant, growing in my expertise with Sabbath rest and helping people create these rhythms of 24-hour rest in their week. With me knowing that's what I teach, I still have to find out how are my people struggling with this? 
how are they expressing their need to create this in their life? And you'll be so surprised at the answers that they give that still fall in line with how you want to serve them, but the ways they are expressing the problems they're having become really specific to that group of people. So I work with moms and I work with leaders, even to the point where it, like with my group, some of the things that I think about with helping them problem solve had to do with how the content was even given to them. So I was making video content and so many of them were in a season of audio content. I just need to be able to listen to it while I'm folding laundry or nursing or whatever. Not everything, I, I can't access everything with video. If I could listen to the 20 minute Bible study while I'm cooking, I feel like I have connected with God, which is a whole nother area that I undercover. They're just, they feel like the time they are spending with God doesn't count because it's five minutes here or it's 10 minutes there. And helping them understand that five minutes with God and 10 minutes with God matters and that he shows up in those short periods of time. But they started telling me where their problems were and I took those problems and aligned them with how to rest and what I teach about rest. So if they're telling me I want to rest, but they're also telling me that I want to use this video or listen to this course or listen to this teaching that you have on rest, but Deanna, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not solving their problem, even though the content could be amazing and it could say it could change their life. But they're like, I just know I'm not going to be consistent with consuming it if it's on video. And that's not true for everybody. I have um, other areas in my, um, you know, with friends and um, my other peers in, in my industry that serve content up completely differently because that's what and how their people respond. So anyway, that's just a, a small part of just understanding how to problem solve for your people in order to get them the transformations that they need. Oh, so that's, that's number a two. good one. That's a really <laughs> good one because there's no point in putting all this content out if they're not going to watch it in the way that yeah. they absorb content. Yeah. And that goes through all the ways you're trying to serve them. You know, just learning, uh, like if no one's clicking on an email and you're sending emails, I'm not saying don't send emails, but it's like it's not serving anybody if no one's actually opening what you're trying to give them to help uh -huh. them. And it just keeps going further and further. Okay, they are opening their emails, but they're not necessarily clicking on my invitations to partake or to purchase or whatever those are. And you just have to just keep peeling back that onion. It's like either I'm not communicating how I solve my problem well or the way I'm solving the problem is not palatable or um, maybe even accessible to my audience. I have a background in teaching inductive Bible study, which goes really, really deep in Bible study with historical background and context on the author and the, the original reader. And, you know, that's how I can go through a study of a book of the Bible or any portion of the Bible. The average person doesn't have the, the capacity in their day to walk through that type of study. So if I created that and built that out, here's an inductive study on the book of Matthew or whatever, or on the topic of prayer, whatever it is. And my lessons are 40 minutes long, even though they're audio <laughs> and there's worksheets to fill out and there's all these in, in my audience can't do that. 
they're not in a season where they can do that. And so FOMO for my audience would keep them from consuming. I'm not even going to start it because if I can't consume it or finish it, I'm going to feel like I failed. So I'm just not going to start it. And so I've had to learn, Deanna, yeah, you can talk for an hour. My podcast probably shows y'all I can talk for an hour. (laughs) You can talk for an hour, but I don't have an hour to consume what you're dishing out. So I've had to learn how do I take the 10 minutes that they have and make it effective, make it um, mean something to them, get them connected to God in the time that they have. So anyway, knowing how to serve your people and problem solve is my second one. I will go ahead and go to the third option, which is packaging and pricing offers, which I've already kind of alluded to. The way you package your offer should speak to how you're consumer needs it. Something that I've learned, I learned it um, a few years ago while I was at a retreat and it changed my life is in, it's, this is something that's not new to anyone that's an entrepreneur probably listening or watching this. You guys have heard this before, but the key, key vital, vital importance of a framework, of having a framework of how you take people from problem to salt to solution. It's something that's probably unique to your way of solving the problem and understanding how you take them step by step, whether it's a cyclical approach or a pyramid approach, or, you know, do this and then do this and then do this, or maybe it's something that all the pieces go together in order to accomplish the final transformation. Maybe they are individual transformations that could live on their own. You know, I don't know, but if you understand how your person comes to you with whatever problem you say you solve, and you say, if you do these things with me, you are going to solve a problem. You're going to solve this problem. That goes a long way. And your framework can literally uh, be packaged in a gazillion ways when you understand problem to solution. It could, that's where you get a free-to-pay journey. You can back up a complete solution into smaller pieces. So th- This is where they would start. Like, for example, one place that people start with me is my free course, Make a Rest Plan. That's like an opt-in I've had for like two years. Like, make a rest plan. You're going to start here. And within that course, they take a a rest needs quiz so they know exactly where their rest deficits are. And they then watch a video on that type of rest that they're showing that they have a deficit on. And, you know, it's just like a starting place. And then there's a prayer that you can pray about rest. There's a, a... scripture writing, a daily scripture writing plan that gets you started on studying what God says about rest. Just these little starting things that this is how you can get started in your rest journey. And I know that that is like just understanding your need for rest is where I want people to start with me. I just, if you say, hey, I think I need this, learn a little bit about what rest actually is. It's so much more than sleep. There's so many different ways that a human being enjoys rest and refreshes himself. I want you to learn these foundational things because once they learn those foundational things, they can journey with me further in the other things that I offer. And it takes them all the way to like what I used to, I don't do it anymore. It would take them all the way to um, like my high-end offer, if you want to call it a high-end offer, would be I I will um, be your rest consultant for 90 days that I will restructure your business in a way that it will, it actually feels more refreshing and we're also going to work on developing the rest rituals that you need to sustain what you're building, right? But all of those connect. And, but my framework takes them through 
all of those steps, right? Understanding how to package your framework and also how to price it is very vital in that feeling refreshing to you. Now, let me, I do want to say this little thing about pricing because I, this is out in our industry a lot, you know, price what you're worth, price your value, things like that. I'm not saying don't do that. I am saying price what you can market and feel good about. That I am saying that because if you have to sell it, you got to be confident about selling it. One thing that I've realized that I just can't do, at least not right now, is sell my Bible studies. I don't feel good about selling my Bible studies. It doesn't feel good to put a price tag on a Bible study because I'm like, no, everybody should be able to study the Bible for free. <laughs> I love that. It just doesn't feel good. And so I have a whole bunch of people in my ear telling me, well, Deanna, hundreds of people sell their Bible studies. They do. I'm telling you right now, if I had to put marketing strategy behind it, it would feel icky to me because I don't want to make money teaching people how to study the Bible. I just not how I want to make money. That doesn't feel good to me. But I feel so passionate about teaching people biblical literacy. But I don't have to put a price tag on that for that, to, which goes back to number one, what is God asking of you? And I know that he has put me to teach the Bible. I don't feel it necessary to price a Bible study. But I can still market it. I can still get people in it. And there's other strategies if I ever wanted to, like, try to convert financially. There's other ways tons of other things I could do. But what I'm not about to do is sell a Bible study with the thing in my mind saying, I wonder how I can get money out of this. I can't do that and feel good. I just can't. So it's really important that whatever you price your offer at, I don't care about this language, which there's some truth to it, but the language in our industry just tells you to get past that barrier that has you like scared to price at a certain point. Some things need to be priced at a certain point, all right? Especially when you're talking about trading time for money, like coaches out there and consultants. You will hate your business if you're not fairly compensated for giving up your time. I'm just letting you know right now. That's, I've just done this too long and work with too many coaches and consultants to know that if it's not priced fairly, it matches the value that is being offered, you will hate your practice, okay? So I will say that. But I'm also saying, don't feel like you have to price your offers a certain way because the industry tells you this is what you need to do. Because you are the one that has to go behind it and market it and sell it confidently. And it needs to be at a price point that you're able to do that. Okay, so that's all I'm going to say about that. Do you have, <laughs> what do you want to add to that? <laughs> I think that's so good. And if it doesn't feel good and aligned with what you're serving and what you're intended purposes then like you said it's just gonna feel icky like you don't want to do it you're gonna resent showing up that way you're gonna feel not in alignment with what you're serving and to your point like there's a million ways that you can make money off of something it's like if you're showing up in this way for your bible study and serving these women they're gonna feel naturally inclined to want to work with you for anything else that you have to offer just serving is yeah. gonna be the underlying theme of whatever you're doing Yeah. It goes to me just trusting God to be the God that sees and provides for me. I'd really trust that he does that. And I don't have to manipulate <laughs> the situation in order to convert financially. That's just where my belief is right now. All right. My number four, number four, let's talk about messaging. Oh, and pricing and packaging in a way that feels aligned has 
everything to do with this feeling refreshed for you. Everything, everything. I've just, they're so important. They're so important. Now, once you have those things in place, this is kind of where, like if I were to create a business course right now, this is where I would create a course because this is where people are getting hung up. And I don't care if it's a free thing or paid thing. The fourth thing that will make your business feel refreshing is having excellent messaging. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it needs to be good. And good is relative to whoever it is you're trying to communicate to. This is where people get hung up. Everybody I work with is very, very good at what they want to get paid to do. All right. That is not what is that will for most people. They're coming to the, they're bringing their expertise to their business and saying, this is what I'm good at. Just because you're good at sleep consultant doesn't mean you're a good marketer. They don't go together. Most people aren't, all right? Most people just don't naturally have it in them to be a business, to run a business, I should say. In marketing, when it comes to, you know, trying to convert sales is like 90% a part of it, maybe a little lower, maybe I'll give it 75. 75% part of it is your mark, your ability to market. And so much of marketing is just being able to clearly articulate the thing that you help people with and how you solve the problem. And we don't know how to do it because we spend a lot of time in our heads thinking we're communicating clearly and we're not. I see it over and over again. I'm a um, consultant and coach in um, with an organization called Boss Moms with Dana Mallstaff. Um, you guys may know that she's got a huge, huge Facebook group that's pushed in like 100,000 people. It's ridiculously huge. And then she has her own private community uh, for her nurture system. And I am a paid consultant in that space. Nobody comes with messaging clarity. Nobody. I mean, zero. And when we see hints of it, we're, we're excited. Like if somebody comes and they're working through it and they start posting their work in the space and we're like, oh man, this is really good. We get really excited because we know we're about to go fast as far as getting that person to the point of having their nurture system set up. But man, oh man, we try our hardest not to get hung up in that messaging part because we literally could journey with someone for weeks just on that. And we're like, this person ain't gonna never get to selling if we stay here. We gotta move past this. We gotta get to a good enough <laughs> And let them start testing things out and tweaking along the way. But I'm telling you, the clearer your message is, the faster people answer questions for themselves and make a purchasing decision. And man, I'm gonna say in regards to creating messaging, I, I I literally like think about if I ever wanted to dip my toe into selling a um, business product outside of like consulting private clients, I would create something on messaging because most of us really suck at it. And it just, and it's like, you don't understand why people aren't buying your wonderful, wonderful course or your wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, once somebody gets into your thing, they're gonna love you, you're a hidden gem. We all know that. But if you cannot clearly connect with them about what they're hurting about or what they're dreaming about or what they're wanting um, for their life and show them that you understand how to get them there in a clear, clear way, 
you're going out it's an uphill battle to sell you're gonna get a few people that spend enough time with you that get convinced maybe and they'll purchase but you're going to struggle with getting the amount of work that you want when your messaging isn't clear so that to me when somebody has very clear and i've seen it over and over again like people that i've been affiliates with i don't really do affiliate partnerships if i don't see at least it's by rule of thumb God could interrupt this plan or this thought process and he's welcome to do it. But normally when I choose affiliate partners, of course, it has to be something that I feel like my people will benefit from. But if I have traveled through their back end and traveled through like there's, you know, I've looked at their sales pages and I'm like, this person has it figured out with how to talk to the, my people about this problem. This is not going to be hard for me to partner with them because they understand. I have a friend who's, um, her, her business called Motherhood Simplified and she deals with decluttering and organization. She's been doing it for years. She's really good at it, has an amazing, amazing course, has amazing, amazing courses. And her messaging is figured out. She knows exactly what moms like us with small kids in the house are struggling with not just with our clutter, but with the things that are going on in our heads and with, and I'm like, it's all I got to do is get somebody in her free thing. And I know she's going to take care of them because she knows how to talk. That's what messaging can do for you. When somebody sees you really can talk really clearly with your people, you become very attractive to other people that think you can serve their people. So messaging is really important. It'll change the game with your business and completely make it feel more refreshing. So good. So what's your next one? Marketing. Um, and I've kind of alluded to this. Everybody needs to develop a marketing skill set in some way, shape, or form. If you're going to be in business and you're wanting to convert, even if you don't have an evergreen product or let's say you're like, Dan, I only need five consulting clients a year to um, sustain, you know, my home or whatever it is, you still have a level of marketing that you have to be, get really good at, even if it's just word of mouth marketing, even if it's not, you know, all this content, all this content strategy and things like that. There's a way that you have to journey to onboarding a client, offboarding your client, client and bringing in new clients. You just have to have some type of marketing figured out. Most of us look at social media and think, all I got to do is post on social media. And I know you know that is not all you have to do. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's not all you have to do. There's a whole lot that needs to be done before you even feel like testing the waters with leveraging content on social media in desires of conversions. Like you can play around with social media all you want. It's fine. But if you're like, no, I actually want to get people opted in to my free thing, or I actually want to, which is where I tell people, to, I will advise you to start with a free thing. If you're new to business, don't try to sell something. But in order to convert financially with a free thing, there's things that need to be set up that present your paid thing on the back end, uh-huh. okay? Which is a whole nother conversation. But I am saying you'd have to learn your marketing. And I also am going to say that you're going to consistently be learning your marketing. Marketing strategies shift and change as the marketing landscape shifts and changes. Prints don't change. Like framework, 
messaging, those things will always be there. But email marketing changes, when your CRM changes, social media market changes, when their algorithm changes, you know, you're going to have to continue to hone in your marketing skill set for the long run. If you're going to be in business, whether it's a robust marketing approach or something small that just is a word of mouth approach, whatever it is, have an approach and work with a marketer, work with a professional marketer in some kind of way, even if it's like through their course materials, just find somebody that knows what they're doing in marketing and learn from them. Amen. (laughs) And then something else I will say, when you find them, stick with them for a minute. You don't need a whole bunch of people. Stick with them for a minute and see if you can get their approach to work. All right. When you start combining several approaches, you're going to get confused and you're going to um, lose inspiration. You're going to get confused. So uh-huh. like, it's like adopt a strategy for a period of time. Work with that person that you've chosen to work with to figure it out. Okay, but it's really important that you work with someone that you believe knows marketing. Okay, that's just really important. So anyway, marketing, you're not going to get away from it. I know it's not fun for most people. I geek out on marketing, but that's I went I literally went to get educated on marketing. I like it. Most people don't like it because it's so closely connected to sales. And people just have aversions to selling and asking people for money. But you're not going to sell anything if you don't figure out how to create a marketing approach that feels really good to you. Amen. That's number five. (laughs) That was like the one thing I got right. Like starting my business right off the gate is I immediately hired somebody to help me with my marketing and get the get everything dialed in as far as my brand, my messaging, all of it so that that could be the foundation that I would use to grow. And I really recommend that everybody does the same thing yeah. so that they're on that first like strong standing leg. When we were introduced, your assistant contacted me for something that you were putting together mm-hmm. and I didn't qualify for that thing. But when she told me what you're doing, I was like, I immediately saw, okay, she, this is a strategy. She's putting together to do some list building. And it's like, I get it. I get it. And it's like, I completely get it. I can't help you with that. I don't have a huge list, right? It, but I, it, but it's like I understood. I was like, no, this is a strategy that she's putting together, and that comes. It's like once you decide, go all in with the strategy, and make it work. Just make yeah. it work. Tweak it. Don't give up on it just because it didn't or it may not produce, which most of them don't produce the way that we want mm-hmm. them to produce the first time we try it. Yeah. But you get some results, and now the the next thing is to okay, tweak it. What could we do better? What could we add to it? What could we change? What could we make clearer? Whatever those, what links didn't work? What emails didn't open up? Those, you know, you just go in and you make changes and you do it again until it becomes something that you can count on in regards to your conversions. Okay. All right. Then the last one, it kind of, I sandwiched my faith stuff. Like I start with the faith things and I end with the faith things. So my last one is something that I refer to as being a divine business builder. <laughs> and when I say divine, it's, it's completely connected with um, those that share my faith in Christ. There's an element of divine business building where everything I just taught goes out the window. 
It's like, I love learning about marketing. I love strategy. I love tweaking things. I love being on the back end of things to see how things are converting. I love gathering that information, especially for email marketing. That's kind of like where I cut my teeth. And there's a portion of that that could drive my activity if I don't watch it. Like, I could think I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish based off of my analytics. Or I could be driven or my work can be driven by a financial goal that I'm trying to reach. I'm not poo-pooing on any of those things. But what I have found is that there are several things that God has asked of me that I, I, I should say I feel like God has led me because I don't want to sound like too woo-woo spooky. God has asked of me. I feel I've been led in certain directions that have way more to do with how he wanted to interact with the person and a lot less to do with my bottom line and what this would mean financially for my family. And I would much rather be in that position than know that's what he's asking me, ignore it because I have a goal that I'm trying to reach. With divine business building, you you trade where your business citizenship is. It's like I'm a business builder in the as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Therefore, I know I have to approach this with the principles that I know of the kingdom of God. And so much of that has us giving and serving in ways that don't promise return. And there is a tension there between, well, my family needs provision or I need to make money in order to live or, you know, whatever those things are. There's a tension between the need to make money. And there's a whole nother thing for this desire for great wealth. I can teach a whole series on a Christian's contentment versus the world's desire for wealth. I could that's not what we're going to do here. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a, I don't remember where I was like, I'm going, I feel like I'm about to switch a point because I don't remember where I left off when I interrupt with that little uh, rabbit trail nugget. But there is an element of divine business building where we, tr- we switch to where provision actually comes from. No longer believe that we are provided for by the work of our hands, even though God can use the work of our hands to provide for us. We have to understand that if it wasn't for the breath that he put in us to work, we would not be provided for. He is the God that sees and provides, and it doesn't matter what area of your life, you can't pick and choose the boxes of which you're going to insert God into when he is truly the Lord of your life. And he wants to be Lord over your business. There's a reason why he is called entrepreneurship is so similar and and so almost I'm going to use parallel to even the gift of apostleship of just this, these visions of, of growing and starting things in order for people to be cared for. Um, That is a gift to be able to do that. And I just believe that is my responsibility to give that back to him. To use this the way that you desire to allow my selfish ambitions to take a back seat. You can still bring your desires before him. You can still say, I would love to take like one of my things. I want to take my um, family to St. Helen 
this fall and I already have like the beach house picked out and you know and it's not a cheap trip but it's like I want to do it will you allow me to do it and it's like I journey through with him through those desires and I'm willing to I'm willing to obey no matter which way it goes right but I bring them to him you know I have a desire to do this for a vacation for my family or I have a desire for this thing for my child he so cares about those things, but you've got to believe that he can care for you way better than your attempts to care for yourself can care for you. And that's just an, it, you know, I think it takes a moment to develop those distinctions when you're talking about business building. We don't really live in a culture where that is necessarily even taught. It's definitely not celebrated. You're definitely going to be the unicorn in the room. In regards to that, those conversations are probably only being held in spaces where your faith is being shared. And even then, it's not always a conversation that's being held. I mean, I'm in several Christian spaces where there's a race to million. Okay, race to the million. I'm not, and look, I'm not poo-pooing anybody's goals. Please hear what I'm saying. But for me personally, I cannot let that be my motivation because I will lose sight on how God wants me to help people if if getting to that million dollar mark at the end of the year, unless inspired by him, was my focus. Okay, so anyway, that's just, it's like, there's a lot of marketing that can be taught in between those. Starting with God, committing to divine business building. In between there is a lot to learn about marketing and sharpening your skill set. I think they're worth, I think they have worth, I think they're valuable but they all just need to be brought back to or sandwiched in between those two things. And that's it. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for all of that insightful information. So for women that are just starting their business, especially when they have these young kids, and we know that we're going to encounter some some crap. <laughs> I couldn't nice. say that. What do you have to say to them like when they just feel like giving up and like, things aren't working out that it seems like God's plan is taking too long or whatever is going to be happening. What do you tell them? I want to tell you to be mindful of your season. I, 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 I don't think there's enough language. I think so much of our language to moms is about the pushing through and, you know, to keep going. And I'm, and I do think there's seasons where that needs to be what is being heard. I'm in a season right now where we have some health challenges in my family, which has become evident that I can't like me returning to work in January after being in school last year. I tried to return to what was a normal work habit and it was blaringly obvious that I couldn't because of what my child needed and what my husband needed in order to serve his father. And so I'm like, these things are not going to live in the same space. And what I'm not going to do is try to cramp it in because that's what I used to do. So I had to, and I'm still in the space of, well, what gets touched and what doesn't. And that's the season of life that I'm in because prioritizing my family and their needs, at least definitely the way that they're showing up right now is vitally important. I'm in a situation, so there's caveats here. 
I'm in a situation where I'm married and my husband's income provides basically what our home needs. So I'm not in a position where I have to make this decision thinking we're not going to have what we need materially. But I also, I'm in a place where my income does provide for some of the other things like tuition to programs and things that are not necessary for us to live, but are desired for the, the things that we desire for our children or for our home, right? Like we need a new car. My, my son is driving a car. It was my husband's old car. And like the horn stopped working last week. And it's like, this car's on his last leg. And Deanna is no longer making the income she was before school. We got to figure out what the plan, you know, so we still have things. So I, I, please hear this. But I'm not in a situation where my lights are going to be turned off or we're not, you know, so I get that. I, I understand that my income is not needed for us to eat and for us to be safe. All right. But even if it was, I have to know that God will continue to be my provider, even if it comes in a different way or a different avenue. I have a list here. So last year I stopped work and trust me, we felt that transition financially. Um, I hope I can get find this list fast. So we there were days where as we um, transitioned back and forth, which uh, we transitioned into my season of not making money. Like there were days where we were like the end of the grocery budget. But we got four more days. <laughs> we got four more days to feed people, but we don't have grocery money. And so um, it was a tough season as far as learning to live with less. And I started to create a list of the ways God was providing in order for me to see that provision doesn't necessarily come through a paycheck. And here's what, it, I'm gonna read just some of them because it's a long list. I mean, it's, it's a long list. My entire school experience, which was about $9,000, was paid for. I, to this day, don't know who paid for it, but somebody believed in me going to school and they paid my, all my tuition, some secret person. My husband got a raise. There was a bill that was passed in our state um, by our governor that issued a state refund that my husband was able to receive because he works for the state. Um, I went to the grocery store and my husband was trying to buy um, a corsage for my son's prom and a box of veggie burger patties. He gets to the register and the things won't ring up at the right price. And the person at the grocery store said, just take it. My kid's camp was paid for that. I wanted them to go to summer camp. So these are like some of the extra things that my income would have normally paid for. I wanted them to be able to experience summer camp. It was a, a weight camp and 100% of their camp was paid for. Somebody granted me a $5,000 business certification. Just told me I could, I can come get it for free. We went to have an oil change. My husband waited too long for the oil change and oil changes at that time were like a hundred dollars because gasoline prices had skyrocketed. <laughs> he went to get an oil change. They felt he waited too long. He was at a Nissan dealership. They decided, you know, you waited too long for that oil change. He was there for about two hours and said, just it's on us today. Somebody like the first week where we ran out of grocery money, I was praying to God. I was like, you know, I know you're going to care for us. I don't know where we're getting food. I didn't share this with anybody. It was just me in my house by myself. 
and I had a friend who never texted me before, but a friend that said, hey, I'm going to Costco. Can I do some shopping for you? That is amazing. So many different ways. Somebody sent me $500 for, um, and they Venmo me $500 and say, use this for your children's homeschool curriculum. There were just so many different ways that he provided without me asking. It wasn't even like I was out there asking for it, but he, and I just said, I want to start making a list because if I ever doubt that you are a provider, I want to be able to go back to this list. So I say oh, this to powerful. say, yes. yeah, he is the provider for our lives. He can leverage your business to be a, a, a vehicle of provision, but it is not what provides for you. So that's what I would say. If you're in this season, be mindful of your season. Be okay to go slower than what maybe you desired and trust that you have a lifetime to build what's in your heart. Okay? That's what I would say. That's a perfect place to end because that was like chilling. Like you get chills like when you hear that kind of stuff. And uh-huh. I think that everybody needs to start a book like that or a note in your phone or something. I started what I call like a brag book and it lists uh-huh. everything that like clients that I book, like different things just to give me confidence to know that yeah. God is bringing different things into my life yeah. and in a variety of ways. But I love that too. And I'm going to start that so that I make sure that I'm really feeling that confidence every time that I feel like I'm doubting to know yeah. that he's always providing. Yeah. So awesome. Can you share with everybody where they can find you and, you know, your podcast, like all these things? Sure. So my podcast is called Refresh Moms Podcast. Not been publishing since last summer, but I am coming back um, in the month. I'm, I think I'm shooting for the month of March to restart it. So um, podcasts are being planned. Interviews are being scheduled. We are actually coming back either at the end of February or March. So, But you can find me still on Spotify, platform, uh, Spotify, Apple, anywhere that you're probably listening to podcasts. You can find the Refresh Moms podcast. My Instagram handle is Refresh Moms. So come play with me. I'm just playing around over there right now. Well, come play with me at Refresh Moms on Instagram. And I do have a free course that I mentioned if you're interested in starting um, to create rest practices for your life, that's the place to start um, making a rest plan. Refreshmoms.com forward slash make a rest plan is where you can go to grab that course. Amazing. Thank you for being on this episode, Deanna. This has been truly a pleasure to connect with you and to hear all of your insights especially as people are trying to build their business or plan their business or just keep going when they feel like they're struggling. So we appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom. Thank you for having me. Building a business while raising your kids isn't for the faint of heart. And it's easier when you're guided along your journey from someone that's walked the walk before you and continues the journey along with you. By growing five successful businesses before I turned 26, earning six figures in my first year of business, and engrossing myself in the entrepreneurial journey with two kids under two, I learned many hard lessons in mindset, time management, productivity, mom guilt, and entrepreneurship. I lay it all on the table for you in my Amazon best-selling book, Welcome to the Room Mama. Pick up your copy with the link in the show notes or at listmorton.com book to get all of the resources, bonuses, and mentorship you need to build your six-figure business while raising your family.